Welcome everybody to another edition of the CarCast 2019 as the Stars beat the Washington Capitals tonight by a 2-1 to overtime scoreline. I'm Owen, he's Sean, he's driving, I'm scared out of my mind. <laughs> we're not really. We're not going to get lost tonight. We're you not, think? You think it's the rain? No, it was the rain. You know what? The other day was, do you remember, and I don't like, but you remember, we took, I took a wrong turn going to the rink the other night. You remember that? Remember I missed I missed the exit. Oh yes, you did. I missed the exit. So you screwed up on both ends of the yeah, game. Yeah, both legs. And, I, and I'm holding myself accountable. <laughs> um, holding myself accountable. But yeah, I, I messed up on both legs of the journey last, and it was just, it was an off day for me. Um, had I, uh, you know, it's mid-season grade time. Yeah. I think that hurt your grade. Yeah. Had there been had had there been an opportunity to yank me for for the backup driver, it would have happened. Um, <laughs> we we need a, we need a sponsor and we need a driver. Yeah. And I, we really need the sponsor to pay for the helicopter so that we could have a copter cast instead of a car cast. And we would love a local restaurant, too, because we were talking about this. There's a, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to say it, there's comedians in cars getting coffee. Of course we can talk about Of course we can. Of course we can. So Do we have any rules? No rules. No rules at all. Besides um, from our own possible <laughs> ethics. Yes. And that's questionable yeah. at best. Yes. The, uh. Comedians in cars getting coffee. They go and they go to restaurants and get coffee. And get food. coffee or food, food and, and like, both. Like I mean, we could in theory we could go find late, the best late night uh, omelets in, in all of Dallas. And that would be both great for us and bad for the waistline. Yes, because we don't need that after a game. We've we, already we, we don't we don't need that. But and I don't think the the family would be thrilled with another hour on the end of the night. No, but if there's someone who wanted to do a special edition of the podcast and they wanted to sponsor you, if you're a place that sells wonderful omelets, please reach out to us. Omelets, uh, pancakes, waffles, waffles, basically any breakfast food, but it has to be of a high quality. We're not talking about just any old, no. you know, short order cook kind of thing. We want high standards here. Where are we? What are we talking about? <laughs> Stars and Capitals. I don't know yes. where we got on this, but uh, Sean, this is weird. Are you sure you know which way you're going? Yes, I know. Okay, we got the, we I know which way I'm split in the road. I know which way I'm going. It's not raining tonight. It's not raining. That'll we, help. We got down here okay. I took the right route that's getting right. down well, here. So, in other words, your morning skate wasn't great and it translated that's, into that's your what, game. That's what happened last time. That's yeah. what I'm going yeah. with. Okay. First period was a tale of the first five minutes and the last 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Stars did not look good again in the start of the game. And three grade A scoring chances for Washington. First one was I'm blanking on this now. The first one was TJ Oshie, mm-hmm. where he threw the puck off the end boards, got his own re- our own pass off the boards, the re- ricochet, and ripped a one timer short side that Hudobin made the save. Then there was a great play between Orlov and Batstrom, where he was standing at the at the side of the net and tried to sort of redirect it around Hudobin, and Hudobin reached back with the glove and got it. The third one was Tom Wilson getting around Essa Lindell, which doesn't happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Lindell get, letting people get the best of him. And he tried to go five-hole, and Hudobin made it. You could argue, Sean, that it could be two or three nothing down before the Stars ever got their offense going. It could have been. Um, and then but they flipped a switch after that, and they were very good for the rest of the first period. Um, it's funny, because it's one of those where, obviously, if you don't like the start, it was actually one of their better overall first periods if you look at the whole body of work. Right, because they hadn't scored much. They have the lowest amount of goals scored in the league in first periods. They actually led one to nothing at the end of the first. So that was a very big plus. 
And, of course, it's Sagan from Radulov. Mm-hmm. But it was on the power play. Technically, Foxa got the primary assist. Yes, but I'm still giving Radulov I, I know, the, but the that, credit. That, that was one of those where I watched a couple times and I didn't even realize Foxa touched the puck. <laughs> right. Was, I didn't either. Yeah. He must have gotten a tip or something on yeah. it. Radulov was looking for the seam for Sagan for the backdoor one-timer, or mm-hmm. the backside. Yep. It wasn't there. So he essentially passed it to Sagan off the pads of Phoenix Copley. Yeah. And Sagan had an open net. Great rebound play. And it was one nothing stars. Sean, four straight games, the power play, specifically the top unit, mm-hmm. has scored. And they're at 40%, 4 of 10 during that span. That's the same... Not quite the same numbers because they were closer to 50%, but the same thing the Stars did early in the year where that top line scored in four straight games. It's the season long. Yeah, and power play has... The thing that's really started to add that zip to it is John Klingberg got the rust off. Yes. He's, he's he been, looks I, totally different from the beginning of the year, yeah, don't you think? Or, excuse, not since, be, since coming back, since he injured, struggled the yeah, first couple yeah. of games. He's been able to run things better. He's been able to build... Um, and I, I think we're also seeing everyone else is building off of him. When they're seeing Klingberg as confidence, other guys are seeing more. Um, and and it, it, do you notice, too, that it, it makes the penalty killers back off a bit because they have to respect and fear Klingberg's ability to move the puck so they can't just all-out attack the point man? No, they if can't. they do, they're caught. And that's what teams did for about 25 games. When you include the 20 when John was out and then the first four or five he was back, they just were so aggressive on the point, and it worked. It, it, it really worked. It, the, you would go after the, the, the defenseman on the top, and it really disrupted everything the Stars tried to do. Yep, I agree with that. Let's go to the second period, shot, And the second period started just like the first did, which was the Capitals getting a couple of good chances. And I was sort of waiting for Dallas to get back and going because it's been traditionally this year their best period. Both Washington and Dallas came into this game tonight with a plus-17 goal differential in the second period, both of their bests. Unfortunately for the Stars tonight, they never found their game in the second period, and the power play in the second they had, the Caps had plenty of chances. But the, and I'm going to fast-forward past the goal for a minute. Stars had a power play, 1-1 game, and you could see it coming from upstairs where we are at the press level. You're down in the row, I'm in my booth, but we have the same height. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this the way I did, but you could see the Chandler-Stevens breakaway coming from about the, the Washington blue line. Yeah, you. Yeah, it, it was a long developing play. And and we've seen him before in this building. He has... Uh, I made the joke to Bruce because he's an old Spaceballs Mel Brooks guy. <laughs> I said that Chandler-Stevenson has ludicrous speed. And it was the joke, but ultimately... You could see if he was going to get the puck, and they, they got it to him by the blue line, by the Stars' blue line, he would not be caught. Correct. He's that fast. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why he's out there on the PK is because of his speed. Yep. Great save by Hudobin. I thought save. that was the game saver. because Big save. Huge save. He made uh, – Hudobin made that glove save in overtime on Eller, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. But they don't get to that. If, if Stevenson scores to make it 2-1 shorthanded, I think the game's over. I agree with that. Um, I definitely agree with that. It's – we're going to avoid 635. <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to make the same mistake, and that's what shows progress. Progress. <laughs> Hockey. Um, <laughs> Do you have the sweatshirt? That only I, I works know. for us. Nobody knows the sweatshirt I th- I think outside people, the media. I think a couple people, I, I've tweeted a picture of that sweatshirt. 
All right, if, if you're really a sharp listener of the podcast and you know that we're, we say hockey and it's talking about the certain sweatshirt, I, it, Ken Hitchcock's sweatshirt. I wasn't even going to give the name away. I was oh. going to let other people. You want to be that mysterious? Yeah. Yeah. Not this time. I'm just glad we went to the right, the, the left, yes. the correct lane. Correct. But no, let's talk about the, uh, do, you, do you agree with me with that, I do. that save on Stevenson? Yes, that save was the, um, that save was worth a point right there in itself. Yeah, that, that, I agree. That save right there is a point in the standings. Um, and then that, that, what, that's what gets them to overtime and sets well, the stage. Well, before you get there, Sean, back up to the goal. The yeah. large, large Eller backhander from the left dot. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, the screen, the play that Hudobin? Uh, it was the one, the one, it's the one blemish on a perfect night for Hudobin. Um, not a perfect night, a semi-perfect night because he had the one blemish. A near-perfect night. Near-perfect night. Um, I think it, it caught him sleeping a little bit. It's a smart play by Eller to throw the puck that way. I, I agree. I don't think he was ready for yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't think he was ready for it. It's a smart play by Eller, but we can also assign blame at the same time. Yeah. I, I'd i have to see it a couple more times from the, the behind-the-net angle. Burkowski was clearly in the in the area, causing visual impediment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a straight screen or more of the he's, it caused some confusion. And I, I think you're right. I think Hudobin didn't expect that shot. Yeah, Bruce keeps, uh, and rightly so, hammering on the fact that that's why backhands are such a great tool because they're so hard to read. But he's right, because you can't read the the shot well. Yes, however. But you shouldn't get beat from a backhand at the top. However, it wasn't that 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 backhand was hard to read. It was the shot was unexpected. Even if that was a forehand shot, Hudobin was, I think Hudobin got caught looking at Eller kind of coming across and thinking Eller was... And was going toward the far post, too. And I think Hudobin got caught looking at Eller as a passer and not a shooter. Yeah. And that's what it was. It didn't matter that it was a backhand or a forehand shot. What mattered was Hudobin played it like he was... I think he got caught cheating a little. He basically got caught cheating towards the pass, and it beat him towards the post, and it was a shot that was placed in a nice spot by Eller... Not even intentionally. I just think he was throwing it on net as quick as possible. But it was a spot that was in that weird angle where, for the reaction time, it's in that spot where Hudobin can't stay up to stop it, and he also can't. If he's going down, he's got to get down right away. And it's just kind of that perfect, it like a handcuff, perfect angle. And that truck is flying right there, coming in hot. Yeah, he's gonna have to hit the brakes. By the way, you swerved toward the truck. No, I swerved away from it. You did not. <laughs> for people that can't see, you were. You have a left lane you could cut into and move. The truck was coming in the right lane of three, and you jerked back towards that truck right lane. I don't know about how you see the laws of physics. I see a jerk toward the truck as being toward the danger, not away from the danger. Call me crazy. I blame the road. All right. Once again, we've lost accountability here, but that's okay. Sean, the third period was not good for the Stars. They were caved in the entire time. 1-1 hockey game on home ice. Against a team who was playing the second game of a back-to-back. And they had the last scoring chance of the third period, and it was their only quality scoring chance of the third period. Yeah. That speaks volumes because the Caps dominated. Mm-hmm. If it, it wasn't for Hudobin, the Stars it, don't win that hockey didn't game. Didn't it feel inevitable to you? During the Caps power play, in the oh, third I was just waiting for that goal. I was, it just felt like okay. I, I had almost, I, it almost started writing, and the Caps scored on the power play, one two to one. You like, know what I was, thought of, and um, Isabel Kershudian, who writes for the Washington Post. That's a really good, well done job in the pronunciation there. But come on, I'm a broadcast. <laughs> yes, for for my esteemed colleague, Mr. Shapiro. 
Shapiro. It's not the baseball executive. He struggles with pronunciation of last names, particularly with players. But, look, Isabel has a tricky name for some. I don't think it's that hard. But, anyway, uh, she also has the pronunciation guide in her Twitter bio. Mm-hmm. She tweeted out that the Capitals were mired in a 1-for-24 power play slump coming into the game tonight. They struggled on their first power play, which was in the second period. They had a couple of chances. Hudobin made the saves. And so they were at 4% for the last, what was it, eight or nine games, counting that second period. They had two more in the third. And when you watch the overall performance of the Caps' power play, they have such talents. Carlson at the point, Backstrom on the right wing, Ovechkin in his office on the left circle. You have Oshie out there in the slot. Kuznetsov floating between the, the mid-slot and down low. You can't have that much talent and and say, well, they, they haven't, they've scored once in the last nine games. They're not a threat. No, they're a complete threat. It's they're like the stars when they struggle, right? Another team would come in and look at Ben Sagan, Radulov, Klingberg, and Spezza and go, yeesh, we have to respect them even if they aren't scoring. Not to, the, not to the level you have to respect the Capitals' power play, but yes. Well, so um, I know, right? Okay, so no, no, yeah, you you're right. Put, you can't, you can't. Oh, put that the same, in the You zone. can't put the same fear level on the Capitals' power play as you put on the Stars. But power here's play. the thing: Ovi did not uncork that one timer with the same level in the first power play back in the second period. Sean, he had one opportunity. They finally got it to him, and he ripped it what ten or fifteen feet wide. It hit the end glass and cleared itself. Yeah. It was ugly. It was not up to his usual standards. No, it was not. In the third period, two or three times, you're just waiting for it because you can see it coming. Carlson is, is such a king of of going for the, the pass from Backstrom on the wall. Mm-hmm. He's ready to shoot, and he just kind of half winds up, and then instead of shooting, he just turns and angles it toward Ovechkin, who crushes it. Mm-hmm. Twice, two or three times, he didn't get a clean contact, or he, he double-clutched on that, that one-timer, where usually it's just, boom, it's gone. Yeah. One time, the, I think the second time, he caught it and skated to the middle, got a shot off, Hudobin made the save, he got his own rebound, fired it, and Lindell blocked it. But it wasn't, it didn't look like vintage Ovechkin to me, didn't it? No, I mean, he still has 30 goals this season. No, 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 no. I'm not yeah. saying he didn't look I know, good you tonight, talk about but this the, I didn't think that, I did, that yeah, their yeah. power play looked as crisp and dangerous as usual. No, it didn't. It didn't. Um, but I, I remember. It but like, I was waiting, especially the Richie one. Look, Richie got a, got called for a penalty for slashing, breaking Matt Niskanen's stick late in the game about five minutes ago, four yeah. and a half minutes ago. It was a penalty that was acceptable because Niskanen probably scores on a pass from behind the net, and they, they win the game if he doesn't do that. But he should Richie as the forward on the wing should never let his defenseman get in front of him no, getting goal no, side. No, position was terrible. Awful. So it Awful, was horrendous it was, positioning. It was okay based on the if he doesn't do it they they score, but why are you letting your guy well, it's, the, it's, it's it's the old it's the puck washing. It's it's the old the, the bail you're okay with the bailout but why are we having the bailout in the first place? Um, then I mean so this game is Felt the Capitals should have won this game in regulation. I think we can all agree upon that. Um, Jim Montgomery would agree with us upon that. Then we go to overtime, and overtime's fun. I thought it was a pretty, after kind of a bit of a... The first two chances, one was an Oshie chance, one was a Hayskin chance after a long yeah. zone play. It was like two minutes in. Bruce looked at me because we were down on the back of the lower bowl at that point, getting ready to get to our postgame location. And he says, fans aren't really wound up for, oh, this is overtime. Cap stars. Yeah. This is three on three. Well, the last three minutes, 
was entertaining. You know why? It started with Hudobin's save on Eller from the hash marks. The beginner's yeah. tease just yeah. crushes it. And Hudobin gets it with a glove and then does the showman's full windmill. Good old windmill. Uh, win- Loved it. Good old windmill Wednesday save. <laughs> <laughs> on a Friday. Friday. I have no idea what day of the week it is anymore. I know you don't. That's why I, t- I chimed in. Eric Conjure was our post-game guest. It said, as a forward, do you cringe when you see the windmill even from your own guy? He says, I have no problem, but it's my own guy. <laughs> um, Sean, two things. The Stars win on a pass by Radulov, goes around the net, back across the crease, Sagan, great finish. Mm-hmm. Also, great job by Hints to make that change at the right time. But because it's the, but, pass, the pass, but okay, it's the pass is great. But, but Radulov's puck protection to allow everyone else right. to change. So he go goes one in on and three. was it one on three, right? One on three to protect the puck and keep everything going. That's impressive. That was incredibly impressive. It was. Me. On the flip side, if you're a Washington Capitals fan or front office guy or broadcaster, did you look at Nicholas Backstrom's defensive coverage on that play? Yeah, it wasn't good. Okay. Backstrom <laughs> floats back in. It's Radulov is one on three. He gets by the first cap. He's now one on two, right? The defenseman was – I don't know if it was Orlov or Niskanen. I can't remember now. Or Carlson even. It was one of their D. I think, I just it, was named all I think it was Niskanen. I think it was Niskanen too. Yeah. Niskanen's closer. He's on the left side. Radulov is on the right wing, so he's facing the left side of D. Niskanen has a Carl, or a Backstrom basically says, okay, he's one on one, and he's forcing him behind the net. But he turns and follows the puck. He's standing right in front of his crease. And he's watching the play go the whole way. Well, who's coming down Broadway behind him, unbeknownst to him, number 91, Tyler yeah. Sagan. And so when the pass comes across, Nis- or Backstrom, I don't know why I'm calling this, Niskanen is still following Radulov, doing his job. And who is unmarked on the backside for an open net? Tyler Sagan. Great play by the two stars, but if I'm a, if I'm the Capitals, I'm livid at the horrendous three-on-three man marking by Baxter. It was terrible. It, it was, was awful. It was not good, and it was a situation where if you're it was watching, horse manure, Sean. <laughs> and horse it, manure. if you're Washington, it's 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 so. Let's this game. I want to take something, and then we'll go into the lightning round. Okay. But it was interesting because after this game, and I was talking to I was talking to Isabel from. Uh, Talking, yes, I was talking. I was talking to. We Sorry, after, can't help myself. From the cap, the view from the Capitals' room is they were happy. They were happy with this. Why? Because they got a point on the second night of a back-to-back. And they were, the game. and they were happy with how they played. Stars. The Forty minutes. Yes. They oh, should. Yeah, they should have. The stars. Um, and they had the better start. Yes, they did. The yeah. first five minutes, they were good. So really, the stars outplayed the Capitals for fifteen minutes tonight, and then. For the last three minutes of overtime, they outplayed them. Uh, not even outplayed them. They just traded chances. But well, they, yeah. but, okay. So they, they did they though. Oshie had a chance. Haskin had a chance. I, I would. I Eller would, had a, a chance that really should have won the game, but Hudobin made the save. After that, Como had a breakaway. Como then had a two on one. Copley made two excellent saves, and then Radulov oh, the wins the game. Over overtime so short, so it's hard to say they. I mean, the Stars had the last three chances, so they didn't really trade they, after they, they, yes, after the Eller save. It's still a situation yeah. where the Stars, if you if you add if you combine overtime in the 15 minutes of the first period, they won maybe 17 minutes of the game. Um, so the Cap- that's what I'm trying yeah, to get. Yeah, at. Yeah. The Capitals were good and they were happy. Um, Jim Montgomery, I think, aside from maybe the game in Detroit, 
this was the most downtrodden I've seen him as far as talking about his team's performance this season. Um, I've, we've seen games, so let me, let me clarify no. this. Let me clarify this. We've seen games where he's been down on himself. The Pittsburgh, no, I've heard the, him talk about the team. The too. Pittsburgh, but the still, but the like. For example, we've seen games where he's been down on himself and put things on himself. This is the most. This is the. I think this is the most glum he's been after a game, and I thought he was pretty glum about the New York Islanders game pre-holiday break. I thought he sounded really disappointed. He was not happy, and he deserved to be. But considering they won this game against the Stanley Cup champs. Mm-hmm. That I think this maybe carries more weight. I know this where you're one, going with this. But this one, this one, this one though. I having just and also just from the feel of the room, this one felt worse than the Islanders. And now maybe it had to do with the setting where it's coming off a win, and so you think maybe it's a little bit different. Um, and maybe because it's a bit of the juxtaposition of obviously everyone's excited in the building, they just won in overtime. But he was not happy with how his team played, and he, he teed off on three years of frustration. Three, three years of frustration and. Not only about how this team, the, the overlying issue with this team is this team does not respond well to success. That was when, amazing, wasn't yes, it? Yeah. Yeah. He said when this team we get too comfortable, the team gets too comfortable. As soon as they face adversity, they struggle, and then we take every. They basically half-ass everything. He said they short. They do. They take shortcuts. He's basically saying, and he said this as much. I think it was Heike that said, "How do they correct this?" He asked the next question. He said. We keep having to go to work every day and working on following the process. And what I'm going to include that he didn't necessarily say in as many words, but I think he iterated this, was hope it sinks in. Yeah. Well, he said he was basically saying hope the leaders take charge. But what he's saying is we have to continue to pound in this message. And at some point, we're either going to figure it out and start doing it without thinking or we're just a not that very good, not a great hockey. And, and basically, he assessed, and it's true, it is an institutional problem within this hockey team that they don't have right now. They don't have the ability to handle success, and they don't have the ability to maintain it. Yep. And it's it's true. It's it's completely true. He um, was he was brutally honest. Yeah. With this team, and after a win, they did not expect that from yeah. him. All right, let's go to the okay, lightning round. Okay, uh, Kenny writes, do the players return home between morning skate and game time? If so, what do, when do, what time do they typically arrive before game time? Uh, yes, they do go home between morning skate and game time. It is typically, you see guys getting there around 7 o'clock game. They're probably getting there around 4.30-ish, 4 Two to three hours before yeah. the game. It depends on the player's routine. Some too. players are there longer than others. Yeah. Um, but, yes, the players go home in between the morning skate. And There's two things they need to do, Sean. To take a nap? Well, first, before that, they need to eat. Yeah. Pre-game meal is eaten uh, typically about six, five, five to six hours mm-hmm. before the game, usually yeah. around 1 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, because they eat a huge meal, a lot of protein and carbohydrates, and then they'll eat a lighter snack or maybe a some you know energy stuff right before but the big meal is then because they don't want to have that sitting like a rock yeah at game time then it's the the food coma nap yep not everybody does it i think most 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 guys do right and if it's not at home then they go back to the hotel yeah um for the road Uh, ryan writes in how do the stars overcome the road it's what hurt them last season and beginning of this season. Are they over their road woes or is it still work in progress? I think we kind of answered that. We, with we, we, we kind of answered that because that's something that Monty brought up directly. He was actually the initial question was, 
he had a good he had a good home stand. Now you go on the road. How do you fix it? And he literally talked about how it's not the road that hurts this team. It's the complacency after success. Right. It's the mentality. Yes. And he said early in the season, after the first couple of road games, he said we play very different away from home. Uh, our mentality isn't good enough. We need to learn how to play the right way, both home and road. Yes. Um, mean Heens, I hope I pronounced that correctly, wrote. To you, Sean, what questions have been asked of you the most post-Lights interview? Wondering what the hockey community outside of Dallas is most interested in learning from this dot, dot, dot incident. Well, there's a couple things. The first one is a lot of people have asked me what my reaction was when I'm sitting in the interview. Uh, a couple other people have another question has been, another key question has been, uh, and I've talked to some people about, my editorial choice as far as not not anyone that's disagreeing with it just out of curiosity because the athletic is a venue where i can i can write those words i can and and i have the editorial freedom to do so profanity is not censored in the athletic like it is in in newspapers or yes and so in in team websites i don't think you'll ever see a team run website use vulgarity you just don't and and so there was that was something that I've maybe talked, censored with beeps if they play a video. Maybe, and that's but that's something we talked about with. Uh, we've talked about just kind of the reason you did that, um, and then the other big thing is the other big thing. The question was, what was the reaction like? And it was interesting. People were asked, what was the player reaction like to both me to both me and the story the following day? And that's that's the kind a of a lot thing of people that, have been interested yes, to how they yeah. res- how they yes. respond to you personally. Yes. Yes, how they respond to me. And those are kind of the biggest questions. I mean, there's been a bunch of other ones where people have obviously asked just to relay the story. and what it's, I Like, mean, what was it like in the room exactly. with, with Jim? And yeah. uh, did he really say those things? And yeah. And, I, and I've done, and I joke about this, but it's probably, I mean, I almost needed like a booking agent in the last week. I've been, <laughs> I, I, if there's a Canadian. The of success. If there's a Canadian city that I haven't been on the air in, um, if there's a major. Most job. Yeah, well, no. If there's a major Canadian city that I haven't been on the air in, it doesn't exist. Saskatoon. Um, I, I was even I was on I was on BBC the other day. In England. Uh, in England, talking about this. How'd like, that go? It was good. It was it was it was interesting because the it was under the uh, it was under the presentation of hey, not all of our listenership is going to understand hockey, so we had to even. Not, yeah, I don't want to use the word dumb it down, but even go over some more of the no, basics. No, but it's more specifically yeah. uh, a sports executive calls out their stars. Yeah. It doesn't really matter what sport it is mm-hmm. to make a, a shock appeal. Yeah. So it was – that's been – it's been interesting because there's been a lot of questions, and I'm sure lots of people still have questions. And if anyone ever has questions, I'm, Twitter's open. Tweet at me. We have a lot more questions. Let's try to get a few more. Let's do here. it, yeah. Joe writes, what are the chances da- Dallas does get a top six forward? I think the chances have gone up because of the last week. Um, Partly because, Sean, they feel that they're a contender. They feel well, right like, or wrong, they, they feel like they could be a playoff threat to And teams. this last week, I think the important thing is they feel they're a contender. And the other thing they did, and one of the reasons that the front office thinks the media can motivate Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn is because the front office pays a ton of attention to the media. And that, whether the players do or not. Whether or not. But so one of the re- so the the front office looks at the media. You're talking about the hockey operations. The hockey operations. They are they look at this and they say, okay, well, we see what get what's get what's get what gets written about us. So Jamie and Tyler must see it, so they must react as well. I don't think Jamie and Tyler react the same way to media. However, Jim Neal and his staff they read everything. 
How they react? They listen to a lot too. They listen to a lot too. Maybe even our car cast. Who knows? They react to everything, and I think one thing that may they may react to more so now is they're getting more of the spotlight put on them, not just locally but nationally, about how they haven't done enough. There's a lot more scrutiny on the Stars front office uh, hockey operations department now than before because. The entire organization is under a microscope. Because they, they, yes, they basically they were trying to throw a dart and they threw a grenade that included all of them. No, and so, a grenade might be an understatement. And so, yeah, but now I want so, to call say some sort of uh, high explosive incendiary device, yeah. perhaps a nuclear bomb. Yes, but so they have now because of what they did, everyone is there's now more external pressure for them to prove okay we aren't the ones that made the mistake. And is there so, a fireworks display going on? Is it just me? I don't. I didn't see. Do you one. hear these explosions? No, it might have been just you. But all right. Well, as I hallucinate things. But basically, I think there's a greater chance of them going after another forward now because of the spotlights that's been shown on them, and I think they're going to try and prove they're smarter than everyone. And you know what? Maybe that's the thing they needed to actually get that other top six forward that they needed last February. And the thing that was important to point out is that the Stars' goaltending can get them in the playoffs as is. Yes. The Stars' goaltending might even be able to steal some stuff, but if they really want to contend with the top teams, Tampa, I have to put Toronto in that mix because of their offensive depth, Uh, Nashville, Winnipeg, you need two good scoring lines. The Stars have one real threat the Ben Sagan-Radulov line. They have one terrific shutdown line that occasionally gets points in the Fox and Pitt-Lacoma line. If they can create a second line that scores, then they are a real threat and a contender. Until that point, they are still kind of a bubble team, even though now they're a couple of points ahead of Colorado for the moment. They're four points away from the top of the division, and they're also four points away from being out in the playoffs. It's tight right now. All right, a couple more. Sean uh, Court writes, can Sean navigate home correctly on the first try? We did it this time. We did it. Then she writes, seriously, were Honka and Nachushkin as bad and invisible, respectively, as my eyes told me tonight? If so, can Monty leave Honka in the press box and stop trying to make Val a top six forward, given our limited options? Well, Nachushkin obviously was demoted by the end of the game. Um, He's a player who... He was put out there to try to hold the lead late in the third, but not to try to go score. But he was on the third line. That's right. Um, That's my point. Because uh, they moved Pitlick up until so he put a really it fascinating comment from Jim Montgomery today about Val before the game, where he said he mentioned that Val is, in his mind, a third-line winger and not a goal scorer. He's never been a goal scorer. And that is the first time we've heard anyone from the organization on the record admit that. And I think that was – I think that's actually very important. Now – Third line wingers are supposed to have more than one, more than zero goals through 41 games. But Fourth line wingers need to have more than zero goals so, through 40 games. So it is still there, there, there's still tons, 42, 42, still tons of things to be desired from Natushkin. But I think at least Montgomery has acknowledged what he actually is. And really, I think him playing in the top six, playing in Ben's spot tonight, it was just kind of a blip. Okay, who are we going to put there while while Ben's out because they put Pitlick up there later. They tried Yanmark up there. They, they really don't have another forward that, like, oh, that's a top-line guy. They just don't. They don't have another one to fill that spot. I think they have a couple of pieces that, with the right second-line center, they could fashion into either by moving around Radulov or Ben, Yanmark, maybe Shore, maybe Gurionov in the long run. 
could become that to, to the second line that they're looking for. Um, Maybe. I thought, Sean, that, that we were looking at for a winger. I still think that that could be a help, with, if, especially with Spezza's ability to win faceoffs. Mm-hmm. You could have a dominant winger score with Spezza and somebody, Ganmark, uh, Shore, Hints maybe. Um, but I, I just think that they're looking for a 2C now. I think that maybe. I, You're looking for it, but it's not available. It's, That's the problem. It's it, or a, if it's it, is it's going to come at a high cost. A yeah, um, couple more real quick uh, before we overdo it. Uh, Austin wrote in and said, Monty seemed rather ticked off about the game and about how the bench was quiet with Ben being gone. He mentioned guys with letters speaking up as well, determining those secondary leaders. Who are those leaders? Okay, so we'll start, we'll start over real quick. So the A's we're talking about, the guys who are in that first leadership group and are healthy and played tonight are uh, Spezza, Sagan, Radulov, and Klingberg. Those are the those are the first four. That secondary group, and I was talking, we were talking in the press box after the game, trying to go through this. I think it's a group that you could make a case includes the like. It definitely includes Blake Como. Well, give him the letters. Where did he give the letters? Okay. I said no. I'm saying letters are first. Letters are first, and so that secondary group. Como's so, in, involved. So in I'm, that I'm too. talking about the secondary group. Now. Yes. The secondary group that he was talking about that he'd like to see step up when that group of letters doesn't do enough. Um, there's Blake Como in there, Roman Polak's in there. My next thought. Um, Devin Shore could be in there. I know he's not older, but he's... He has all the abilities to be a captain yeah. of a team, but he's still considered a young guy that doesn't have the resume, perhaps, yeah. for it, like a Klingberg or... A, I don't know if Lindell's loud enough, yeah. but he could be one. Yeah, um, for me, it was Polak and Como were the two. But basically, it was... Um, I'm with you on that. I think... It was the type of thing where it was a bit of a call out to those guys. Those you know what else? Don't forget Bishop. That's true. This. And it's, it's he's it, a natural leader it's, on this. It's team. also a bit. It's it's interesting because here's the interesting thing with where Bishop is. It's not like he's in a spot where he is during home games to really be a rah rah guy on the bench. If you think about it, like it's just just the natural logistics of it. Yes. It's not like it's not like he's in a spot where he's sitting on the bench and he's and he's right next to guys. There's there's a lot of road arenas where you're sitting on the bench, you're right behind the defenseman, and you can be that guy. You can be that guy. You can be that loud guy, and you can be talking like that. But with where the Stars' backup goalie sits, it's either in the tunnel or they're kind of leaning over there watching. It's not like he's. He's there, but it's, there's even a pane of glass. It's not like he's really interacting with the bench. It's really hard to do so. Right. Um, so he, he, he would be, he could be in that group, but it's hard for him to be in that group in, in, in the setting where they are. Um, the other thing about it is it was a bit of a call out to, to those four guys with A's where, you know what, Jamie's out. Some other guys need to talk up, because, speak up, because while Jamie is very quiet with us, he's actually very talkative during the games. He if is, you ever watch yeah. the Stars videos that they produce sometimes when Jamie is mic'd up, you can see the difference between media Jamie mm-hmm. and Captain Jamie. Yeah. And they're they're not they're very different people. Yes. Uh one more question real quick and then we gotta go. Uh because we're here and we're here. we can't creepily sit in the your neighborhood all night long. No, not all night. And I have to go home too. Uh Sean Dial Stars Haiku writes in fifteen years from now, will Yuri Lettinen be in serious danger of losing his title of quote best fin to ever play for the stars? In fifteen years? In fifteen years. Yes. It's a great question. It's a great question, but yes, it's Miro Haskinen could vault ahead of now look, the bar from from Yuri Lettinen is exceedingly high. Yes. But that's. I think that he is, he will be in danger. He may not, but the way Haskins is playing right now, sky's the limit. 
when the other thing is, well, Lettinen was great. Um, Fury wasn't doing this at 19. That was no, uh, and, that, and that and and so the other thing is, who knows how, what the progression is for Miro, but if there's a natural growth and a natural progression from where he is now, like this guy can be, and I, it's something where he is, he is a, he should be, he is a Norris trophy winner in the, in the making. He is, he is an actual Norris trophy winner in the making. Um, we always talk about comparing him to Scott Niedermeyer style of play, skating ability, able mm-hmm. to be in the rush and immediately get back and do it in yeah. almost an effortless way. And Niedermeyer's phenomenal. Yes. But a lot of people think of the gold standard for a small-ish, smaller, not a big hulking defenseman as Nicholas Lidstrom. Mm-hmm. For years patrolled the blue line and ran things in Detroit. If Haskinen is a, Niedermeyer, a Scott Niedermeyer or... Nicholas Lidstrom type influence on his team for a long period of time. That's, I mean, that's what, yeah. that's where we're well, tracking, isn't actually, it? Here, here's the answer, though. Here, here's the answer. Here is the great thing because not the great thing. This is the the, the final barrier between greatness because this is how we measure people as champions. Championships. Got to win a cup. You got to win a cup, and so that's the thing. Where if Mira Hishkin wins a cup, yes. Um, he doesn't. If it's he gonna doesn't, be hard it, to be it, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Um, Speaking of which, we got a we got a random people mispronounce Miro's last name quite a bit. Okay. We got a new one from Tyler Sagan in post game today. What did he say? He said Miro Hishkinen. Hish. Hishkinen. So like, we have like he was saying so Niskanen. It's, it, it's like he was saying Niskanen, but put an H on the front. It's Miro Hishkinen is the proper way to yeah. say it. We've heard Heiskinen. We've heard uh, what was the other one? Heskinen. Heskinen. I think. Now Hishkinen. Basically every other vowel sound. Yeah. We haven't heard Hoskinen yet. No, it was Hiskinen. Like, no, no, it, it, we haven't heard the O. We yeah, haven't heard yeah, the U yeah. sound. Um, so the sometimes Y. Yeah. Hiskinen. Yeah. Well, sort of that. Anyway. Another thing I want to leave people with. Just cause, cause, <laughs> I want to leave people with because I think it's just funny. Um, and I wish we, I wish Jim Montgomery were in a better mood because it would have been nice to. Uh, John Klingberg told us to give Jim Montgomery crap in his post game. Before uh, for his miscircling of the lineup card. Yeah, um, that's an interesting storyline. Because um, I've seen this happen in the minors before, two a uh, couple times. One, the uh, I've seen coaches either misspell or imp- or incorrectly write the wrong jersey number <laughs> on their guys. Sometimes he's circled the. I've seen coaches circle the wrong goalie. Or frankly, just screw up the lineup card and have an ineligible player because they didn't put the guy out there. Yeah, I mean, really, you think elementary things, but we are human and they make mistakes. So Monty writes out the lineup card and he writes out everyone's name goes on the lineup card. And typically, what Monty does is the home coach he writes out the lineup card and then, out of habit, he circled Ben Bishop. Right. So he, he yeah. circles his goalie starter and then he doesn't do his lineup at home. Because until he sees the other team, the line. home coach gets to see the other lineup card and then decide who he wants to start yes. against that line. On the road, yeah. he wouldn't have this problem because he would circle the goalie yes. and then circle his lines. And so he circled Bishop just, line just out of habit. So, by NHL rule book, Ben Bishop had to start the game, or the Stars would have gotten a two-minute penalty for illegal lineup, right? Illegal lineup. starting. However, if in the NHL rule book, if you appeal to the referee to make a change, and the referee grants it. 
you can make a change to the lineup, to the initial lineup. So the Stars went to the referee, uh, Wes McCauley, and said, hey, we messed up. And it was it's best- basically a groveling. Yeah, it was basically groveling. And basically the offic- they were at the official's mercy to either to grant them that they could actually start their starter or – Ben Bishop would have to start. And the Stars are clearly planning for both options because Bishop was out there stretching and had his helmet on, which he would never do for. And and he he stood at the blue line during the national anthem. Right, he was out there, but they still sent uh, Hudobin to stand by in the crease. But so it was funny because Bishop and Hudobin were talking about it before the game (laughs) of how they were going to handle this. Yes, because. Because um, you can't change on the fly. The goalie can you leave can the ice. You can change on the fly. I don't think... I, oh, I don't no, think, you can. So I know the goalie can get on the... Well, it would be a bad idea. I thought the rule was the goalie can come out of the game for a skater, but isn't allowed to get come back over the boards. You can change. Is that, that a you different rule? You can change rule? goalies on the fly. I don't know if anybody's willing to risk I don't that. know if it's ever it's been done in the NHL, thing. but you're allowed to do Here's it. Here's the thing. And so, Kudos to Todd Reardon, because the referee heard the appeal by the Stars, mm-hmm. and ran it by the other team. Yeah. And if I'm the other team's coach, I say, sure, whatever. You start the guy you want to start. You did. You made a mistake. You put your guy in. I don't want this penalty. And Bruce looked at me and goes, well. I said, okay, maybe if it's a divisional opponent and you really needed to win the game and they did something dumb, you call for it. But to me, this is the kind of thing that if you try to stick the hard line and say, no, you have to start your guy, then that's going to come back and bite you somewhere down the road when you need leniency for a mistake or something. And they say, well, you remember that time you weren't willing to let us put our guy in? So I think that was uh, the right move by the Caps to sign off on that too. Yeah, well, and the other thing, too, is with we were talking about how poor their power play has been lately. Maybe he didn't want to start the game with the, with a killed-off penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but, not. Uh, but basically, to the on-the-fly change, I asked Hudobin if they thought about it, and he, and he said, he said, well, we did. And he said, I think we could have done it. <laughs> of course he's optimistic. It would have been, been bad uh, idea. But you know what? How great would that have been? Puck drops, stars win the draw, you have – you have, I think Klingberg was, was starting on defense. Have Klingberg or Lindell take a couple strides it's back. actually Klingberg and Haskinen because they yeah. have Lindell and Pollock together yeah, it, tonight. Yeah, Klingberg, Which was different. We haven't seen that much. Klingberg and Haskinen take a step back. Bishop sprints. Hudobin's on. It would have been, been glorious. It would have been exciting. It would only have been glorious if it worked. It would have been a oh, it dumpster been, fire. It would have been glorious. No, glorious sounds good. No, glorious. it would have been a... Terrible mistake. It would have been must-see television. Yes. From a neutral <laughs> perspective, you can use the term glorious. From a star's perspective, if it failed, it would have been an epic fail, not a glorious mistake. That's the, that is an oxymoron. You and I are using epic and glorious in similar terms. No. <laughs> epic can mean both positive and negative. So glorious, glorious by definition means So can glorious. I disagree. <laughs> Everyone, thank you for listening. Um, we got, what, a week and... What, about 10 days till the next home game? Yeah, so a uh, three-game road trip. Mm-hmm. No, not a week in 10 days, right? It's no, no, about Sunday, 10 days total. Tuesday, okay. Thursday. And then next Saturday? Next Saturday. Okay, so eight days. So a week. Yeah. Stars will play a three-game road trip in Winnipeg, St. Louis, and Philadelphia. One last question for you, Sean, before we sign off. Okay. Seven of eight points out of the homestand. Excellent. Yes. Could have gotten all eight. Yes. Maybe should have against Montreal, but hey, we'll we'll take it. The overtime coverage by Sagan notwithstanding, seven out of eight is great. Mm-hmm. What's your target goal? Knowing that the most difficult game on this road trip is the first one. As far as point totals. Point totals. 
not wins and losses, although you can kind of basically you have a chance to get as many as six points. What is what would you consider good on this trip? I think he can be happy with four out of six. What about three? I don't like three. Because of the opponents? Um, because of because of the quality of opponents. No, I, I think because of the time of year and how you didn't bank points earlier in the year. I think you need to I'm still happy with 500 right now. You're in a playoff spot. You here. I get what Sean is saying is essentially the Stars are under or three games under 500 on the road. They're what eight, eleven, and two, yes. something like that. Yes. So the the typical form, formula is 75% of your home games and home points, 50% of your road and your playoff team. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. Stars have been under 500 hockey team on the road, so they have to make up for that. I'm suggesting, well, you're absolutely right that they do need to make up for it. I believe that you could start right now. They're in a playoff spot. So if they just play 500 hockey on the road from now on and continue to win at home at the pace they're at, they're good. Yeah, I, I just look at this. This this should be – now, Winnipeg's a tough team, but this should – Winnipeg just got blanked in Pittsburgh 4 to nothing tonight. They're yeah. going home. They're not going to be happy. Yes, but this is and a, it's typically but, the stars have but this been is also, not good in Winnipeg. This is also an ideal road trip setup schedule wise. It's Sunday. It's a Sunday afternoon game. Yes. It's an easy. You get a full. You get a full day. You get practice Monday, but you get a, it's. There's no back to backs. The travel isn't too bad. I, it's a lot easier for a charter plane than a commercial yes, flight to Winnipeg. Yes. Getting to Winnipeg is terrible if you're trying to do it commercially. <laughs> Um, I don't suggest it. Um, yes. <laughs> Winnipeg itself is actually a pretty cool city. St. Louis is starting to play a little bit better. Yeah. They've been awful. The The win they had against Washington last night was a good one for them. So yeah. don't expect the Blues to be a cakewalk, even though they've been bad. Mm-hmm. And then Philadelphia has been bad. Been bad. But... And you might have the Mike McKenna effect. Yeah. It could, could you see the Stars like McKenna again? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I, with how Philly's goalies have gone, I could be backing up Mike McKenna by next Thursday. Yeah. Like well, it's, <laughs> no, not really. Yes. But still, yes. the point is not moot. Yes. All, All right. right. That does it for us. You got an extended one, and we didn't get lost tonight. Yep. So thanks, everybody. We'll have another car cast within a week or so. But first, a road trip, and we'll see where the stars are after that. I'd, I'd say three points out of six is is a starting point. Sean says four. We'll see where it goes. Thanks for listening.